Welcome to The Inner Room, a study where we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the instructions and examples they provide to learn mastery of our emotions, to guide us in our spiritual journey, to learn to pray, worship, and listen to God's will for our lives. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and I welcome you to this inner room. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the inner room, Emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas, or your comments. Thank you for joining us today. The two readings that we are going to ponder on today have a lot of imagery. Jeremiah goes down to see the potter's house and observes him in action, following God's instructions. And Jesus tells the disciples that the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea. And in his audience, there were four fishermen. The two sets of brothers, Peter, Andrew, John, and James, are fishermen. But there would be lots of fishermen, and it would be easy for them to understand any analogy that Jesus used related to catching fish. The same thing with Jeremiah, having an image given to God, given to him by God about the potter's house to find a message that he could deliver to the house of Israel. We want to ask the question of the day then, what is the language that God uses to communicate with you and me? Because the care that both God the Father shows in communicating with Jeremiah an image that would be effective with his people And Jesus finding an image that would be effective with the apostles. God is looking for a way to communicate with you effectively. And he's going to use the things, the people, the objects, the readings that you do, the places you go to, to deliver messages to you. That is the kind of God we have. We have a God that is attentive, that is intimate, that is so willing to bow down in order to find relationship with us. That as we ponder the readings of the day, let's look at a way that God is speaking to you directly, that he wants to find a way to be effective with you. We are in the 18th chapter of Jeremiah, verses 1 through 6. These word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. So there's first word coming to him, as Jeremiah writes. So what steps do we pay attention to that Jeremiah will be taking in today's reading that can assist us? First, he receives instruction. Rise up, says the Lord, be off to the potter's house. There I will give you a message. Interesting. The second step then is for Jeremiah to obey, obedience. Jeremiah doesn't know necessarily what he's going to be doing or receiving or hearing. He knows he has to go there to receive a message. Why doesn't God tell him the message directly, right? What is God up to? He God, he goes where God calls him without questioning it. Do you do that? Do I do that? Or if I hear an inspiration from God, do I decide that I need to know more, that I need to know more details, more information before I act on it, before you decide what it that it makes sense. We play like this with God, don't we? Somehow we think we know better that we need more information, but Jeremiah 
listens to the instruction and goes. So here comes the next step, the third step, observation. Curiously wondering what he's got up to. The reading tells us, I went down to the potter's house and there he was, working at the wheel. Whenever the object of clay which he was making turned out badly in his hand, he tried again, making of the clay another object of whatever sort he pleased. Are you observing in your life small details like watching a potter? Because God will use the things that are in your life, in your kitchen, in your office, as you're driving in your car, if you're exercising or walking in the park, He will use whatever means that are, pay attention to the messages. Immediately when we see clay in this image, we can think of God fashioning man and woman out of mud in the Garden of Eden. It can immediately bring images that might be part of what God is trying to relate to us. There is Jeremiah observing these details of the potter's work and God then speaks to him again. God does not give us all the instructions at once. Sometimes he waits for us to act on the first set of instructions before he gives us the second. If we don't act out of obedience, we may miss on the next step. And we can then say, well, God didn't give me an answer. Perhaps the piece of the answer that you got was the first step intended to shape you, to prepare you, to get you ready for whatever God had to deliver to you and to me. Obedience is the most important way we show God that we love him, that we're ready, that obedience shapes us. So Jesus repeats, if you love me, keep my command. So if God gives you a message, even if you don't know what exactly it means, follow, follow as God is in asking you. And Jeremiah then receives the instructions. Fourth step, the word of the Lord came to me. Can I not do to you, house of Israel, as this potter has done? Like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hands. Jeremiah receives an image to give to the people of God to help them understand. In this image, Jeremiah will receive not just in word, but in experience, a story to bring to the people of God. I love how graphic Jeremiah's stories are. Clay is here today shaped fired, used, and as soon as it breaks, it's good for nothing. It has to return to the ground. It's a good metaphor for us. We might be very beautiful, very useful, serve really, really well, to carry, to hold, but one day all the material things end, including us. What language does God use for you? What is the equivalent to the potter's house? We come to the gospel reading of Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 through 53. And we see the fishermen that are part of the apostles, which means these would have been a very active part of the life of the apostles, having four fishermen there. They would have come to each other's houses. They would have gotten on the boats. We know that they did that with Jesus. We see these stories all over the gospels. But if you imagine living with the 
with the 12 apostles gathering for food and their families, their extended families bringing fish and going out and seeing how it was sold. It would have been a very big part. They would talk on the side on the road about good catches and bad catches and good seasons and bad seasons and what was being caught and not caught. And Jesus uses this language because it is part of what they see and what they feel and what they eat. He tells them the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea, collecting all kinds of fish. And the angels will come and separate the good fish from the bad. He's using the material to talk about the divine, just like God the Father in the Old Testament. A theologian from the 5th century, his name is Peter Chrysologus, writes beautiful meditations. And he has a beautiful meditation on this reading. He breaks it down. He was very interested in the incarnation of Christ. And he lived in Italy in Ravenna after the sack of Rome by the barbarians, which happened in 410. Uh, he dies in 450. Can you imagine living in a time where the devastation of an imperial city that had seen such splendor happened. Remember how we felt after 9-11, if you were alive then? We felt outraged, violated, unsafe. If you imagine the city of Rome with all this splendor being sacked, this would have been devastating and incredibly unsafe. So he is here writing 400 years after the death of Christ, in a period of time in Rome when so many for several centuries had been martyred. And here, after Christianity becomes part of the Roman Empire, the barbarians come and they sack the city. We have to remember these things because the things that he writes could be written about today. And sometimes we lose, lose faith or we think what's happening to us it's really horrible, but listen to what he says. He says, the apostles have been sent to the sea of the world. And look how he describes the sea of the world. It was a sea swelling with its vain display, proud of its confusion, stormy because of factions. Don't we have those? Fluctuating with uncertainty. We have uncertainty about schools and we are losing our mind. We have uncertainty about our jobs and we're losing our mind. We have uncertainty about the economy or about, of course, about the virus. But think about times like this. It's so important we don't lose perspective. He's saying, Peter is saying, fluctuating through uncertainty, noisy with grievances here in the United States, having all of these protests, all of these people that are dying on the streets and all the difficulties between races. This was happening already. It has happened throughout all time. It doesn't make it right, but we also cannot lose perspective. Peter continues, roaring with anger, shipwrecked, shipwrecked by sin, sunk into impiety. It is so important to read these old masters of the faith. Some of them lived through so much more difficulty than we ever could imagine. And they kept the faith and they inspire us to do the same in these times of uncertainty. They passed on the faith to us and we have to hold it and keep it for the next generation. Even if we're not able to go to church right now, if you can, please go. Our pastors are saying, 
come with masks, they're separating everybody, they're cleansing the surfaces. Make sure that you are transforming. If you cannot go to church, transform your home into a place of worship and prayer. Keep the faith at home. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a net thrown into the sea. And it's not only the sea of that time, it's the sea of all times. And when he finishes telling them the parable, he says, do you understand these things? He cares that his words reach the apostles and he cares that these words reach you and me. So again, what is the language that Jesus uses to speak with you? He's so merciful, so loving, so attentive that he's looking for ways to speak to each of us in ways we can hear. After my dad died and his anniversary is coming up this weekend, I would see messages of compassion and kindness through birds. Don't even understand why. My father would see birds in the last few days of hospital stay before he passed away from pancreatic cancer. And this had never happened before. But after he died, I have seen so many birds at important moments that marked places to pay attention. And I will tell you too, the day that we had taken his remains to be cremated, there was an incredible stork right there by the chimney, almost like a sign of rebirth into new life. And I find that to be God's compassion for me, that in his mercy, he was giving me a sign that had been subject of conversation after conversation with my dad at the hospital because he saw so many birds surrounded by angels and seeing birds. And it was a way to say, I am leaving, but I remain. And these birds had sort of angelic moments for me. One of the days I saw four little owls with their mother in my porch. We've lived in his house for a decade. My husband is, as he says, a country boy from the backwoods of Texas. He had never seen four little owls. And this was on a day where the mother was on the side and, and I had just flown to New York at a very difficult moment after my father had died. And I felt so torn to leave that these birds were in my porch and I didn't see them. My kids sent me a photograph because they saw me leave crying. And they said, Mom, birds are with us. You should leave knowing that we are protected. If God is looking for potters' stories and fishers' nets to reach you, he will find a way to reach you in ways that really apply, that are specific, because he wants an intimate relationship with us. If you find those, go on Facebook, The Inner Room, Emotions in the Bible, and share some of the stories or some of your questions. We would love to hear them.